Hello and welcome to In the Weeds. We're recording live from the Picky Weeds Esoteric Occult Boutique, located just south of Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, in beautiful South Abington Township. Picky Weeds is the largest and most diverse boutique of its kind in Northeast Pennsylvania, with an increasingly wide variety of items for many traditions. In addition to items for sale, Picky Weeds hosts a wide variety of classes, events, and community-driven gatherings throughout the year. Picky Weeds is located at 105 Layton Road, South Abington Township, PA. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. More information can be found at www.pickyweeds.com. That's P-I-C-K-E-Y-W-E-E-D-Z.com or on our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. In the Weeds is the official podcast for Picky Weeds, where we strive to bring the community together with topics of interest, guest speakers, and informative discussions to benefit the entire community. If you'd like to be a guest speaker, either live or remote call-in, please visit www.pickyweeds.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, find In the Weeds podcast guest application, click it, Copy and paste the text into an email with your contact information and send it to us at pickyweeds at gmail.com. Now, now let's get, get in, in the, weeds. the weeds. Hey, everybody. We're here today on our second episode. Uh, we got John and Tay, the owners of Picky Weeds, and we're the hosts for In the Weeds podcast. And uh, today we're going to kick it off with uh, yeah, our second episode so far. Woohoo! So we we uh, got some upgrades and some little better equipment, so our mic stands aren't falling over. And yeah, good times. Yeah, and I'm not kissing it every time. I... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, um, what are we going to talk about today? So we're going to talk about a question we get all the time that people come into the store just uh, completely confused, and they're like, "How how do I get started? What do I?" What do I do first? Where do I go? Who do I look to? So we're going to get down to the questions that we get the most here today and how to get started, because it is kind of overwhelming, um, sort of like back in the day for me. It's not that way anymore, and you guys are, I don't think you realize how very lucky we are these days to have all the resources we do have. But then again, there comes that point of trying to pick through the crap. So we're going to try to weed the wheat from the chaff for you today um, and show you where to start. Yeah, and it is really overwhelming, too. Is a lot of folks, you know, just they're interested, but, you know, paganism, magic, everything is just such a vast category. And then you don't know where to jump on the moving treadmill, you know? Yeah, it's insane. So, I mean, it, really the best advice is to just jump in and break stuff. You know, I mean, r- really there isn't, you know, we don't have a holy book that starts at page one. Right. It's, it's a little bit more in depth. Yeah. And I'd say um, one of the first questions I like to ask when a, when a client comes in and goes, you know, where do I start? What are you attracted to? Yeah. Is it magic you're attracted to? Is like in the ceremonial? Is it, do you want high magic where there's a lot of ceremony and a lot of ritual and a lot of planning and a lot of prep? Is it folk magic where you're interested in doing, you know, sympathetic magic? Is it green magic? Are you more of a nature witch? Do you enjoy being out in nature, picking weeds, making potions, making pots, you know, things like that? Um, and that's, that's how we go. Is it voodoo? Is it hoodoo? What is your interest? What draws you? What attracts you? 
And where do you come from? You know, yeah. what's your ancestry? Where do your where do your people come from? Absolutely. You know, we're we're all immigrants of some kind, unless you're indigenous uh, to the U.S. Your your parents came here. Your grandparents, your great grandparents, however far back it goes. You know, genealogy is a is a rabbit hole in and of itself, but it kind of gives you you know some explanation as to why maybe you might be attracted to. Uh, a certain deity or a certain cultural practice, and you want to learn more about it. It's a it's a good good starting point too. It is. It really is. And I, we both did our our genealogy, and then we did the you know the family tree kind of thing, and um, it gave us a lot of insight. But the strangest thing was shipping off the the um, DNA to Genome Link. I had always had these dreams, and this is something I want you guys to pay really close attention to, because these were recurring dreams for me about weaving papyrus, about looking inside clay amphores on steps, about standing in the savannas in Africa. And I thought, they're just dreams. Maybe it's just my hopes, places I want to go, things I want to see. But then I sent my DNA off to Genome Link, and it came back that my DNA actually held from South Africa in the Fertile Crescent of Mesopotamia. So it was really kind of striking and shocking because I'd always dreamt about it. So pay attention to these things and look at that DNA. And when you see a place that you've never been and your heart aches a little bit and you don't understand why and you feel like a crazy person, it's probably your DNA hailing you back, going, hey, do you miss me? So look into that and, and go with that and look at the histories and read about the gods and the goddesses. Read about the people, read about their practices and see what sings to you, what speaks to you. Yeah, working with ancestors is a, is a huge deal. You know, that's something that, you know, is a pretty guiding force for a lot of people. And look, it this isn't a hard, fast rule either. You You know, maybe you're... Irish and you're really attracted to Greek mythology. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, practice what feels good to you. The one thing you have to be careful of and the one thing that you know, especially with like Irish mythology, I think we touched on that briefly in the first episode is that you don't want to do cultural appropriation, you don't want to, you know, misrepresent the cultures, you know. So if and a lot of us have Irish uh, Welsh or Scottish backgrounds or English or Britain. Uh, you want to look a little deeper into it and, and try to find some academic sources. And they're, and they're out there and there's more coming out w- way more now than, than we had you know, available to us, say, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it's insane how much is available now. Um, it's really, really... It makes me hopeful to see all of the academics who are coming out who are correcting the romanticist nonsense of the Victorian age in the late late 1800s, early 1900s, because there was a lot of positing going about. And I'll, I'll give you a brief synopsis. So there's this whole thing dedicated to the Celtic tree alphabet. <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And we fell for it. Don't it's going to happen. This is we were young and we were, you know, it was it was beautiful and it was very romantic and it sounded good. You know, and these are the pitfalls of being a modern day pagan. But this whole Celtic tree alphabet, the whole you know, birch means this, beach means Talking that. Talking about the ohm, you know, right? Ogash and you, yeah. and then the ohm, you know, assigning that to the ohm, and the ohm is its own. Uh, it's, it's basically 
a place marker. So that whole entire Ohm alphabet was basically used uh, to mark places and graves, as far as we know, um, but was never related to this Celtic tree alphabet, which arose from a poem by Robert Graves in The White Goddess uh, called, what is it, The War the Battle, Battle of the, of the Trees? trees. Um, and so somebody saw that and went, oh, that, that, that's beautiful, that's perfect, let's take it and run with it. And suddenly we had Om associated with the Celtic tree alphabet being touted as a magical practice of the Druids, and it's something that never was. <laughs> so so you got to be careful. You really have to use your skepticism. I know that you want to be spiritual and you want to be, um, you want to be in love with everything you're doing and you want it to feel romantic and, but that leads to this, this pure place of utter desperation and depression when you let that go too far. And when you're academic with it, and you're not fooling yourself, a healthy dose of skepticism is going to lead to a deeper spiritual practices and end results. So don't get caught up in the, you know, the romantic nonsense. Yeah, it's really disheartening, you know, and especially like the people that have studied and basically didn't know any better, right? So they, they went, oh, okay, Celtic tree oracle, okay. So birch means base, and that means this, and they come up with a whole divination system. And then to find out 15, 20 years later that everything you've been doing is based on, you know, quite frankly, bullshit. So um, <clears throat> that's really difficult to take, you know, especially when you were sincere in your practice and you were you were giving it everything you can. And, and it's hard. That's a that's a hard lesson, you know. And um, I think that also leads to trepidation for new people. They're like hearing about, you know, these kind of things and going, well, I don't want to be that. Um, you know, I don't want to step wrong. And then they end up never taking a step or they just contend with. I like crystals because they're shiny and pretty and they make me feel good. And, and that's cool too. But, you know, you can go so much deeper into this and have a personal uh, path that continues to twist and turn and broaden as, as you learn more and more. You know, the thing with Irish and Celtic, or not Celtic, I hate that word, uh, Irish, Scottish, Welsh, um, they're all individual cultures and they're all individual um, indigenous people to those lands before they were colonized by England and the Anglos and Rome and Greeks and everybody else, right? So, and a lot of the traditions there were oral. So, they didn't pass down things in books. It's not like where you have uh, some of the other mythologies like, uh, what was it, uh, India, you know, the Sanskrit, you know, and there's you can you can read things that are thousands of years old that have been put in practice and you can study it and yeah it's still a lot of hard work and dedication no doubt but you have a written guide you know it's a long tradition of scribes there you know yeah. whereas whereas with Ireland uh, your best bet is to to find a group of scholars that are also pagan um, that's why we keep referencing Irish pagan school those uh, Laura and John are amazing great uh, highly recommend Um and I, I get their frustration, you know. So you have corporate America that descended upon paganism, and and now it's gotten really, really popular in corporate. You go to Dollar General and find what they call witchy stuff, and yes, Target, and, and, and you know they're just cashing in, yeah. you know. So anyway, I guess long story short is don't be afraid to step on the path, but when you do, try to take the right steps. So. 
probably the the first thing you should recognize is is maybe the different categories, right? You know, there's different different practices based on ancestral you know where where your people hail from there's different practices based on the type of practice the approach to it and then there's some that kind of incorporate everything this is a, a very individual um thing right this you don't have to do uh your craft the way your friend does or the way your relative does or the way this other person you met on the internet does you know, the really only wrong thing to do is to um, take from another culture and claim it and claim it as you know something that it's not. If you're going to practice that culture, practice that culture. And there, there are more resources now than there ever have been um, that I can recall. So the onus is on you to to try to get authentic and uh, put the work in. Um, what do you think about that? I think people misunderstand why we get so upset about cultural appropriation and they they don't see that when you're using somebody else's practices and claiming them as your own you're destroying history um and there are 596 dead languages and we're talking extinct dead languages that are no longer spoken they're no longer studied and with those due to colonization died so many beautiful spiritual traditions um and when we appropriate and we claim that something is ours or our covens or you know that this practice was always practiced by these people when in truth it was not ever practiced by these people such as this alphabet we just spoke of you're doing damage you're doing damage to those seekers who are coming behind you that are looking for an authentic lead in to what is in their DNA, what is in their genetics, and what might speak most deeply to them in their spiritual practice. But like John said, if you're practicing, this is a very personal spiritual experience, and it should be a personal spiritual experience. You do not want a boxed version of spirituality. This is not religion, folks. Religion is the boxed version with all the rules and regulations. Dogma. And the dogma. And this is supposed to be your personal gnosis, your personal spiritual path. It's it's supposed to mean something deeply and spiritually to you. And just because other people don't understand it, why do you care? Why do you care whether they understand it? Why do you care whether they believe it or not? It's your practice. But when you're doing it, don't step on the other practice's toes. Love is the law. Yeah, it's a it's a fine thing. It's a, you know, a fine line, so to speak, you know, just between individualism and then just getting the history completely wrong and you know don't not to throw off them, but there are people, there are organizations that are calling themselves druids or dree. I I only know of a couple and that would be the uh, uh Irish pagan school folks who could probably come close to what we know of that tradition. You see a lot of old white men at Stonehenge every year Wearing aprons. with the aprons and they, you know, I don't know what they're copying things from Pliny or, or whatever adversarial author wrote about the Druids and claiming that as truth. And it's just... History was written by the victors. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, it's you not know. the real thing. So, you know... I mean, they speak. They spoke multiple languages. They were the priest caste. They, it, it was. It went so much deeper than gathering at a sacred place 
once a year and putting your apron on. I you mean, did because they were, they kind of encompassed the whole of culture in the world. There, they were the doctors, they were the lawyers, they were the priests, they were the musicians, they were the poets, uh, they were the scribes, and so Druid is not just one thing. It encompasses many things, and then you have your your arch druid, your your head dude. He actually had the ear of the leader, the chieftain. People say kings now, but it would have probably more likely been a chieftain. Um, and they were their advisor, so they were sort of like our psychologists and our advisors, you know, of the period of time. And there are so many different aspects of what they were, and it's the same for so many cultures. Like you'll hear a lot about indigenous cultures, um, and you'll talk about about healers and you'll talk about hayokas and you'll talk about you know shaman medicine men medicine women that kind of thing these people that were kind of on the outliers of society that people went to in their roughest moments at their darkest hour that's that's what these are they're extremely spiritual people who practiced and who kept himself you know in right mind and right spirit for the good of their tribe and that's that's kind of the way you want to look at it. So if you're practicing incorrectly and you're passing that down and you're making up things as you go along to finish the book you're writing, you're doing damage. Yeah, and, and it's look, neo-paganism is is uh done some positive things and I don't want to go off on all of it um because a lot of people find a lot of joy, okay? But the bad thing about neo-paganism is it turns into kind of a big game of Chinese whisper. So somebody has an idea that, that, you know, their ancestry was fae, and so they're fairy and fairy. Okay. All look, right. <laughs> look, call, no. Sure thing. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know, and, it, and it becomes into this fantastical, whimsical delusion and is doing damage to practice it's doing damage to yourself to not take it seriously enough to actually dig a little deeper you know and when the purpose is to raise yourself up to ascend to become a higher level thinker um, and a more empathetic compassionate member of society that doesn't mean we have to read all the dry you know, archaeological text, though, I find it fun. But uh, not everybody does. Some people want, um, you know, something a little little lighter introduction. And those are out there now, too. Pagan authors now are cranking out some just really, really good works that, man, I wish we'd have had those, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yes. It would have made things. So much easier. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> and at the same time, the bullshit factory is also cranking out at a record pace a lot of nonsense. So yes. uh, we talked about the Ferrar and her six 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 foot pole. You know, you want to. It's in the witch's Bible. Uh, complete referencing. You know, m- you need to keep some of this stuff away. It's like you need to look at it, keep it at a distance, read about it before you accept it as truth. Skepticism yes. is a good thing, yes, you know, and and keeping yourself grounded both physically, mentally, and spiritually is something that you should be doing all the time because something will sound great. Oh, wow. You got fairies in your blood, fairy blood. Wow. You know, and you're envisioning wings sprouting out of someone's back. One thing that's not 
what our interpretation of Faye is anyway. No. And they're not exactly, you know, you want to keep happy, them shiny. keep no. them happy and appeased and not yeah. so much. Uh, Don't draw their attention. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's legends and there's things about, you know, mixing with humans. And okay. So you have to be able to have good common sense too. You know, it's spiritual, but you also at the same time have to have as much rooted. You have to have a good foundation. And that's why we're constantly pushing uh, for folks to lean towards the academic first, um, get get the uh, baseline down. And, and there's a lot of books and a lot of hell other podcasts or people to, you know, listen to. They've got a lot to offer. Just keep that skepticism because the um the the woo is strong yes it is and it's detrimental it's just like that i talk about toxic positivity when you run into that practitioner who's a complete and utter love and lighter and any looking at the self and gazing in the glass darkly is like woo, don't do that it's awful that's <laughs> evil that's wild i'm sorry uh, <laughs> magic it's magic it's magic and if you don't practice in balance you're not in balance and that toxic positivity it comes from a lot of i'm gonna say very very famous national authors and podcasters and youtubers who preach that manifestation doctrine of you draw it you draw what you think you know what that leads to a lot of people being very, very depressed and wanting to kill themselves. And it's just, honestly, it's the most disreputable thing I've ever heard because there's not a soul in this universe that can be positive every minute. And you know what? That's fine. It's fine if you can't be positive every minute. It's You're not supposed to be. That's not life. That's not what this is. Introspection and a little look at shadow is always necessary so that you're not further triggered on down the line. So when we talk about, um, you know, doing the work and doing the dark work of shadow, what you're doing when you do that is setting yourself up for good mental health, you know, in practice, because you're learning who you are and what your triggers are and where your darkness comes from and where your anger comes from. And you're learning to control yourself and control your thought processes and control your will. So anybody preaching that positivity doctrine, run, run. It's bad for your mental health and it's bad for your practice. And the same can be said for the other side, the edge lord. Yes, oh my you know, God. You're, the super guy. God. <laughs> oh, yeah, I only do black magic. I'm just so dark and. Lovely. Yeah. And delicious. Oh, good God, dude. Watch <laughs> way too much Harry Potter. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's just an imbalance, right? Yeah. And nature is nature is nature. And, you know, you have sunshine and warm, gentle summer breezes, and then you have floods tornadoes and hurricanes and you know all all manner of things right so this is the same thing this is a this is a path that tries to walk in step with the natural progress of everything so you know even our you know holidays you know whatever tradition you pass the chances are it goes along an agricultural cycle you know it how woo is that you go along with the planting and sowing and harvesting of this of the seeds and plants and crops and then you have your period of rest and you start over that, yes. that's the holidays yeah. you know it's <laughs> there's not a whole lot of woo there you know but we try to put it in so it sounds mystical and magical and 
And it already is mystical and magical. Yeah, you don't need to add it, <laughs> add to it. Yeah. it. If you've ever attended a, a ritual, whether it's public, private, yourself, just a friend, or a full coven celebrating one of the holidays, um, there's nothing like it. No. There's solemnity, there's pageantry, there's ritual, and then there's joyfulness and drunkenness and partying and mm-hmm. celebrating, and it's what our ancestors would have done. Like one coming up now soon is Samhain. And it literally means summer's end, and it was a huge harvest festival. It's also, the the veil is the thinnest, and so the spirits are joining us from the other side, and we're celebrating them, and we're, we're trying to feed them and welcome them in and not be afraid of them. And we're also celebrating our community. Somebody would take coal around to each house, you know, to keep people warm for the winter and you know, pass the torch and all of these things. It was kind of an amazing harvest festival. And you see that replicated a lot in public life, and they don't even realize they're doing it. It always kind of tickles me a little bit. When these townships who are very, very, you know, ultra-fundamentalist religious are having harvest festivals, I have to I have to giggle just a little. It's like when they're celebrating Easter, and they're in all their finery, and they're running around with a rabbit and chasing eggs. Oh, that's my favorite. Having the fertility ritual. And I'm like, I just... I just have to laugh. I, I, think it, I think it's fantastic. Thank you for that, guys. You just don't know what you're doing, but we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pick that egg, Becky. <laughs> it's lovely. It's absolutely lovely. Oh, yeah. So going back to the beginning, just don't don't worry so much about, you know, if you're new to the path, about doing something wrong. You know, we get people in the store. I was told I couldn't buy my first tarot deck. Someone has to buy it oh for me. Goodness. That is the biggest bunch of bullshit. That's a tradition of somebody's coven or religious practice. It's yeah. not common. By all means, if that's your if that's your uh, dogma and whatever you're in, then yeah, absolutely. That's the way you should practice it. But that doesn't mean everybody practices that way. No, not at all. Not at all. And so find the tarot deck that you like find the one that appeals to you the one that you know yeah is it a good idea to start with a base rider weight yeah maybe maybe is it a good idea to start with an obscure tarot deck that doesn't have the appropriate imagery or it depends on you but the thing you got to be careful of is not listening to a lot of these what we call old wives tales it is Absolutely, unless you are part of that tradition, where that's your tradition, someone else has to buy it for you. Which is respectable, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine, but it doesn't apply to everyone. It's the same as the the Wiccan read, right? That's, That's For a Wiccan, absolutely. That's part of your religion. That's part of your path. And you should live it and not cherry pick it. But that doesn't mean that all practitioners follow that. That's that's just for you. And then that's great, but don't push it on everyone else. Otherwise, we become like a couple other um, religions. You know, some of the Abrahamics. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're not not there. We're not in that class. And they're not all like that either. So I want you guys to kind of realize that we have a lot of Christian customers. Oh, God, yeah. They're very loving and very welcoming and very accepting of who we are and what we do, and they don't denigrate us or try to try to convert us. And we're not here to convert people. It's like that that new. I just went to my first Sunday meeting, you know, and I'm super ultra religious man. Woo woo woo! Oh, you yeah. know, and they've got to go around and convert all their friends and and spread the gospel and all that stuff. And it's just 
God, that's so annoying. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Don't, don't be that person either. You know, it's great if you're on a new health kick or whatever and you love your friends, but do you know that when you have preached to them and preached to them and preached to them about how they should not eat this or they should eat that, that every time they see you come in, they kind of try to hide and roll their eyes. Please don't be that person. Yeah, you're that person. <laughs> don't be that person. Mm-mm. And I'm sure I was that person. I'm sure I was that person because I was a very angry pagan at around 20-ish or so. And and I was so sick and tired of having – well, I was in the evangelical South. So I was tired of having Christianity shoved down my throat at every available opportunity. And you have every Tom, Dick, and Harry preacher knocking on your door and then the Mormons and then the Jehovah's Witnesses. And every single time that you're sitting on the couch – Taking a break from working all week long and trying to watch a movie, somebody's knocking on your door with their pamphlets, you know, and I was just sick of it. So I was pretty angry. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not necessary. They're not all like that. You can reserve your 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 righteous anger for the ones that come at you like that. Yeah, it's like validation through conversion. Yeah. So if I can convert you to accepting what I think is the truth, then it must be the truth. Yes. Then I'm right. Yes. You know, and, and it, Good it, point. It, it just keeps on happening. Yes. It's terrible. And that's not what any of us are here for because the whole purpose, the whole purpose of our path is to find our own personal spirituality and live our own personal spiritual gnosis. So just kind of bear that in mind when you're picking on people and you're trying to force that, you know, that viewpoint that they got to do this or they got to do it that way. It's like the the read. Um, John mentioned it earlier. We don't we don't live the law of three just because we're witches. That's Wiccan. Yeah. We get asked that question a lot. What's the difference between Wicca and witchcraft? Well, one's a religion and one's not. Wicca is a religion. Witchcraft is a practice. Yep. Yeah. That, that's it. It's yeah. that simple. Yeah. And there's so many practices out here that we were going to kind of tighten down on a little bit. And we're planning to have people on to talk with you that are from these traditions. So there's a lot of different traditions out here for you guys to choose from when you're asking the question, where do I start? There's witchcraft, traditional witchcraft. There's Wicca. There's Islander religions, African religions. There's folk tradition and folk practice. And we have a a beautiful one here, you know, that's uh, based on Christianity that we talk to a lot of Christians about when they come in the store and that's pennsylvania dutch powwow um and when it where it came from in germany it was not christian so yeah there's there's a lot there there's ceremonialism and hermeticism etc you know those traditions like what the golden dawn um hit me with those um the hermetic society um, the OTO. OTO, yeah. And then there's like open versus closed practices. Order of the Eastern Star, the yeah. Masonic Temple. Yes. Those are all, you know, organizations, you know, and, and they all have their own rituals, their own dogma, their own everything. And for a lot of people, that's what they need. They need that structure. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. Just the the point being, once you're initiated into that, don't start scolding other people that are doing things in a different way. Yes. That's that's where you go wrong. There so, are so many traditions. If if you've just been initiated into a lodge, awesome, great job. You know that's a great path, and you've got you've got people around you, brothers and sisters around you to you know be there along the path, and somebody to bounce questions off, and someone to guide you, and you have books, and you have guidelines, and you know all of it's well organized and documented and a lot of people coming from the abrahamic they they need that you know or just p- 
people in general, whether they came from it or not, need that structure. And that's great. Some of us don't like structure. And, and, and that's great, too. The only, the only bad thing is when you take something from someone, you don't credit it, or you change it and then claim it as original. That's the screw up. Okay. So if you like a, a part of a practice, that's fine. But do the practice and do the practice the way culturally it should be, not just because you read it in a book with a shiny cover. And don't cherry pick it. Yeah. Yeah, don't cherry pick it because it doesn't feel right to you. If you're gonna if you're gonna practice the tradition, then before you set foot on the ground and take the oath and will yourself to dare to know to keep silent, a lot of them are asking you that, and it's for a good reason. The very reason that we're talking about. Because you not being silent and you going out and preaching the gospel of this new religion that you found pushes people away. Oh yeah. It it puts a gap in there and people are not going to bridge that gap because they they don't want to see themselves in that light they don't want to be that irritating person that nobody wants to see coming so when you're going to go in and practice these traditions familiarize yourself first before you take your oath yeah because you should be true to that tradition when you're practicing it so that you understand it deeply and there's a lot of things in there uh in some of them that you're going to find sort of reprehensible at first but if you give yourself time to understand the underlying reasons for why why these rituals are performed and what you're actually trying to attune yourself to, they become quite beautiful. And it's absolutely positively logical because it's growth. Yeah, it looked dark and it looked oogity boogity and it scared you a little. Well, you know, that's life. Life scares you a little. Um, there are instances in traffic and instances with people in, in stores that have just gone absolutely insane for five seconds. Life is scary. The most beautiful things in nature are dangerous. And most of these mystery traditions realize this and want you to know how to face those instances down and how to use your will and your focus and your energy to alter a situation to your benefit. So think about that first. But if they, if you're just looking at that tradition, you're going, oh, my God, I can't practice this. This goes against everything I believe in. Don't take that oath just to be a looky-loo. You need to be completely committed. And you can change your mind. Yes. So, I mean, as you grow and learn more and, you know, like maybe you run into one of those instances, Tay was saying, where I just don't feel comfortable with this, then, you know, change your mind. But it's, don't badmouth it. Yeah, yeah, but take take what you've got from it, thank them for their time, and move on. You know, because ultimately this is a personal path. Yes. It is up to you. It's for you. It's no one else's. And if it happens to align with other people practicing similar ways, hey, you've got a friend. You've yeah. got somebody to talk you to. You've got a friend. <laughs> yeah, I knew that would trigger the song box. <laughs> But, uh, you know, and that's great. And that's one of the things we like about Picky Weeds is we have people that do just that. You know, they'll meet other people of other other practices and, you know, they do it slightly different. Maybe they they devote themselves to one kind of practice or another. And maybe they devote themselves to, you know, a god or a goddess or gods or goddesses and other people are in others. That's the beautiful thing about this is that it's a highly personal path. It's up to you. Um and really, it's on you to progress. You know, there's that's one of the things I've noticed. There's like a thousand intro beginner to witchcraft books and things, but there's very little 
intermediate or advanced. Yes, very little. <laughs> very, very little. And they're there. You just have to know where to look. They're not going to say advanced witchcraft. Yeah, it, no. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work that way. You know, it's like I explained to someone at, at the store the other day, you know, they're like, didn't know anything about the books. I'm like, okay, so this room, think of this. This was the, the standard witchcraft room, beginner books, things like that. And I'm like, this is, you know, high school, college prep level. Okay. The other, the other room on the, on the one wall is, is collegiate. And then the ones at the top shelf, that's your postgrad, your, your grad school work. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's a good way to put you it. You know, yeah. and ceremonial magic becomes a lifelong thing. And they all do, really. I mean, you can be devoted lifelong to just basic sympathetic magic and constantly be learning something new. That's um, amazing. That's the point. There's really not a beginning and an end. You kind of just have to jump on the moving treadmill and um, keep your keep your big skepticism pole with you yes um, develop a strong bullshit detector we say it because you know yeah. like anything else in spirituality is rife with bullshit artists ripoff artists charlatans you know you you have to be able to discern that pretty quickly and, and purge that right so i mean we've had we've had customers come in that one just came from uh, New York City, and they had a they had a reading done, and then this person charged them hundreds of dollars for the reading, and then said, "Well, for five hundred dollars more, I can get rid of the evil spirits that are around." Okay, this is bullshit. Yes, one is bullshit to charge hundreds of dollars for a divination. Yeah, okay, that's bullshit, and then another to do the bait and switch or whatever you want to call technique they did where oh now you have to pay me more money to get this thing okay these are scams okay so steer clear of that a a good reader is is you're going to tell right away you know it doesn't take long uh for them you know they are they trying to just cold read you or are they actually divining right and there's a lot of ways to read the cards you have the traditional way where you know, each card is assigned a meaning, whether it's, you know, uh, positive or negative, what the, what the alchemical symbols mean, what the astrological symbols mean, what the Kabbalistic uh, feel of, or meaning of that card. Um, and, then, and then you have other people that are intuitive readers, right? So they are using the imagery um, and trying to connect with you on an energy level uh, and it's very similar to a stream of consciousness almost it's you know we some people call it channelings and it basically the first thing that comes to mind uh you have an idea and then you lay another card and and then that builds upon the idea and sooner or later you have a whole story laid out with you or all the cards are in context with each other that's another way of reading right and it's perfectly viable yes um, but here we have two different approaches to get the same thing and that's a result of a divination um, but the, the, maybe the the person is trying to charge you five hundred dollars to to get the evil spirit off of you is probably full of shit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because they should be more or less leaning into you if they can sense that you know that energy around you and teaching you how to develop a strong psychic self defense rather than trying to bilk you for more money for doing spell work for you. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into divination practices, you know, a little bit deeper, you know, in some later episodes, but just just as an example, right? Um probably the first thing you should learn how to do um is to ground yourself. 
right? So how do I ground myself? Well, there's the simplest, easiest thing in the world is to go outside, take your shoes off, walk on the mother earth. Yes. Just let it all go, you know. um, Do a little earthing. Yeah. So learn to learn to just unblock let everything out you know you're connecting with the earth you can feel the earth in your feet you can feel the mud you can feel the rocks the grass whatever you're at it doesn't work so good in concrete but no. you know no um you see me at the sh- store all the time with no shoes that's why yes you know staying grounded yeah am i on carpet and concrete yeah but it's the best i can do right now yeah right so that's one of the easiest things in the world to do um and- learn learn to meditate yes and, and there are myriad ways to go about that. So. And, and there's there's books on it. There's classes on it. There's Mary Ellen every Wednesday has a meditation. Um, there's YouTubes on it. Are they all good? You got to find the practice that suits you there, um, because you've got to be able to understand that um, you don't always have to sit cross-legged and be uncomfortable to meditate. You can meditate. You know, sitting under a tree. You can meditate sitting in your living room, reclined in your chair. It's it's just about getting to that space where you're calm, you're out of your head, you don't have a whole lot of errant thoughts running around in there, you're and you're you're kind of welcoming the silence and welcoming that calming nature um, into your body and letting go of all that negative, toxic buildup of energy that everybody incurs during the week with work and you know the general public the general public stresses you out and everywhere you're going your molecules are bumping into their molecules and you're picking that stuff up and bringing it home with you energetically and you're worn out and so you got to learn how to get rid of that and that's part of meditation and you know you you just got to learn how to slow down how to listen and observe the things around you uh, one of the things i do when i'm when i'm trying to go astral um, is I recreate a situation in my mind and I hear it and I try to hear the sounds around me and smell the aromas around me like the dirt or the smell of the trees or the flowers. I try to hear the car and hear the door shutting and hear the wind and hear the trees moving and I have a dog pushing my chair around so if you hear a lot of <laughs> that's not me, I'm not that excited. <laughs> Okay, but I'll recreate the whole scene. Like I will, if it's walking, I I try to hear my feet crunching on the rocks or on the ground in the grass, and hear the limbs snapping and hear the leaves moving around me. So you want to learn how to do that and observe. You know, when you're in nature and you're sitting still, what do I hear? Stop yourself. If you want to meditate and you want to get out of your head and it just won't shut up and you keep having these little thoughts about, did I do the laundry? (laughs) Did I leave that damn piece of paper in my pants and wash them? (laughs) You know, then when you get to that thought, stop and go, what do I smell? What do I hear? What can I see directly in front of me? You know, look at the dirt. Try to spot the little animals crawling around in it, you know, the little insects, things like that. And and before you know it, you're out of your head. You're meditating, dude. You're meditating. Mm-hmm. And yoga can help. And we have a lot of practitioners that practice yoga. We have uh, Mary, Mary Ellen. She's been a yogi for decades. And we have Caitlin who comes around and does the sound class. And she's a yogi. So yoga can help. And there's 
plenty of yoga for beginners. You don't have to stand on your head, folks. It's not all that. It's not all wrapping your legs behind your head or looking as if you're levitating. It's it's not. There's yoga for beginners, and there's good relaxation yoga, and there's good yoga for PTSD, and there's yoga for people who are injured. There's a myriad of types of yoga you can practice. So come out and talk to these to these ladies and gentlemen and find out what best suits you. Yeah, absolutely. Yogic, yogic breathing actually is a you know one of the foundations of ceremonial practice. You know, it's yoga is really a really really good place to start. It uh, is, especially the meditative aspect of it. Um, yoga for magic by Crowley, right? Yeah, 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 it's um, that's a that's that's an okay book. <laughs> it's very intense though. You positioning, you're holding your position for an hour or so, but yeah. So anyway, I guess to kind of make take this full circle, you know, the the question of where do I start, what do I do, um, decide what interests you. Yes. Right? What what is the thing that piques your interest? Why? What made you want to? seek out information about it was why do it, i keep watching that movie over and over and over again <laughs> was it ancestry was it a, a particular practice was it um anything you know what what is it that 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 turned your head and made you curious and that's a good place to start yeah look back to those conversations you had with your grandma and your grandpa and why you were so enchanted a lot of lead-ins are there too and ancestors that have passed or probably speaking to you in your dreams so yeah again it's a it's a personal thing so why not you know what what better way to start than uh, what what interests you personally you know what what turns your head what makes you want to read more um about it um and that's a good place um just you know keep your bullshit detector turned on Yes, because um, you, 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 you having read one source and you know it's an accredited source, and then you read another book that maybe it's an author you've not, not heard of or never read before, and they say some contradictory stuff. Well, there you go. Now you have some place to look yes. and, and say, okay, who is right here? Yeah, you know? look at the bibliographies in those books too. And, and it it may sound like it's just schoolwork, but it's it's important, right? You want to lay the good foundation. You want to you want a rock solid foundation. And that's the best thing. I, I mean, I can recommend if, if you are interested in Wicca, um, pretty much anything by Scott Cunningham is going to be a good starting point. Uh, the Witch's Bible uh, by the Farrars, Janet and Stuart Farrar, uh, is excellent, excellent book. And, and, you know, even within the umbrella of Wicca, there's, there's multiple Practice. uh, practices and sects, right? So you have Dianic, you have Alexandrian, you have Gardnerian. It goes on. Who knows how many now, right? Different Different covens, different groups have different sets of dogma, different practices. And it may be to accomplish the same thing, but it may be different, right? So educating yourself on that, even if you don't follow it or practice it, is a good thing. It can't hurt, right? So, you know, if you're interested in Irish culture, pagan mythos, Morgan Daimler, I cannot recommend her enough. Absolutely Uh, excellent. Um Irish pagan school, um, folk magic. You want some folk magic? Read the Golden Bough. Yes, Sir oh my God. James George Frazier. Or the Power of Myth. Yep, yeah. Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Anything uh, about Joseph Campbell? Ceremonial. Lon Mila Duquette. Pretty much a, a no brainer. Everything yeah. the man wrote is a, a pretty good place to start. And we have a local author, Mark Stavish. I, I would definitely check his books out too. Excellent. Really yeah. well done. 
He's the director of the <clears throat> Hermetic Institute in Scranton, and he's been he's been a professor for some time, and he's really prolific, really, really amazing wealth of knowledge coming out of that guy. Yeah, but bottom line is you want to read from accredited authors first and then go from there, right? So get a good baseline um, and and build on it. Bella's being very loud, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've kind of got my, my hand around her mouth like, um, chill out, dude. We're trying to talk. But for the gods, you know, there are myriad, myriad, myriad books out there on the tales of the gods and things like that for Greek. One of my favorites for Welsh gods is the Mabinogian. One of my favorite Irish um, books ever was about the cattle raid of Cooley. It's called the Twin Bocunia. Um, my favorite translation of it i can't seem to find lately it was by kinsella but there are some i've, I've read the one that we're carrying now and it's, it's really good too so that for all of you guys out there who are really interested in the morgan it's probably my favorite tale of of the morgan the twin bocunia it's, it's spelled t-a-i-n <laughs> the, the twin yeah yeah it's, it's amazing. And then there's the Eddas, the poetic Eddas for the Norse. Um, and then there's the Mahabharata for the, if you're, if you're going the way of um, India. Um, then there you get into things like um, the tales from Japan and from uh, China. And I like to read a lot of the Stoicism out of, out of China, like The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, the I Ching, which is the Book of Changes, things like that. There's some amazing stuff out there. Look to those, you know, those pieces that are classics, and go with the classics. And then we carry a line of Penguin Classics books too, that are those books in a retailing, um, in a paperback copy that are a little bit more accessible, you know, monetarily speaking. So they're still the same books, but they're just now in paperback. Yeah, a little, a little more affordable. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, and and then the other question we get all the time is, do I have to have a god or a goddess or gods, goddesses, or or practice? Right. So, to the short answer is no. You don't have to. You can you can practice the craft without deity if you so desire. Again, it's your practice. Local spirits are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Work with the things local to you. Yeah. So I mean. The big the big takeaway here is that it, it is your personal practice. You're going to do the way that things feel right to you. The, the caveat there is, am I doing bullshit? <clears throat> <laughs> right? So if you think you have fairy blood, you're probably full of shit. Yeah. Because yeah. that's you might not, be deluding yourself. And, and here's why: because that's, yeah, there there were fae that mixed with humans and some of the mythologies and all of that. But um, how would you go about proving it? Yeah, is there a DNA test for fae blood? Right. Yeah, not trying to insult, just trying to be logical here. Is is that something that uh, you can document? No. Yeah. So maybe maybe way back in three millennia ago, maybe okay. Yeah. But can you prove it? No. Okay, so better to just keep things a little bit more grounded. This is why you ground. This is why you keep your feet on the ground so that you don't loft into woo land. And yeah, woo land is dangerous. Woo land gets you believing a lot of things that 
commercial authors are just writing to make a buck. They've, they've not done research. They've not done the work. They're just writing a book, cranking it out, and making a buck. And can I say just this? I want you to take. I want you to listen to this takeaway. If you listen to nothing else today, there are some practices that you really should not perform alone. You should have a second. Um, you should have someone there when you're channeling, because you may not come back. Yeah. You may wake up in a mental institution. You may wake up dead. There are some practices in yoga you should not do alone, um, because your heart can stop. And you'll just be gone. So, an, a, you know, a pound of caution prevention here. Think about what you're doing. Read the incidences of, you know, loss of life or mental illness on some of these things. And think to myself, I need a buddy. I need a partner. I realize that a lot of people are solitary. But you know how many people I've seen just in four years that have done real damage to themselves by practicing these cell, these things on their own, locked in their room. Don't. Don't do it. Get a second. Make a friend. Make a buddy. If you don't have one, come to us. Yeah, and that's why you shouldn't start at the end. Yeah. Right? So things are, are set up the way they are, especially if you go to to an established coven or established lodge. They're going to have uh, the, the, the method by which you learn is going to be regimented. Right. So the first things you're going to learn is how to ground and center, how to banish, how to do the basics, ABCs and one, two, threes. People get excited and they want to skip to the end and they want to start doing advanced stuff without having the beginner prep. Look, th- this is this is real. OK, this yes, is not is. fantasy land or uh, Sabrina. Right. This this is legitimate practice. And if you skip ahead and you don't do the work you can find yourself in trouble. Yes, you can. And that's why yogic teachers are so... um, And it seems fanatical, but it's not. They love you. They're worried about you, about you not slipping out into the astral because you can actually sever the cord with reality. You know, you hear it. You hear it touted as a silver cord, right? Um, A silver cord that extends from the navel up into the astral. The whole reason for the tether is to be able to bring yourself back when you're when your journey is over. And so if you get to a certain point where you've slowed and regulated your breathing and your heart rate to where it's barely there, believe me, there are studies where it has stopped and somebody has died from it. There's a good reason for their fanaticism with that. It's not fanaticism. It's love. Have a teacher, have a partner, have a buddy, have somebody that can look at your body and see that you're going way too pale and bring you back. And that's why discipline is so important, too. And people get upset about discipline sometimes. You know, you may go to a circle where the leader of that circle is very regimented in how she or he is performing it. And then when people start chit-chatting or cutting up or basically disrespecting the circle, they're asked to leave. You know, and this is the level of discipline that it takes, especially in, in works like that. So develop that early. Understand that you're in someplace sacred. This isn't, you don't step out of the circle to go chase your kids when they're yeah. misbehaving or you, you have that arranged ahead of time, right? Don't, don't be distracted. Don't let these things happen because discipline goes hand in hand with everything that we do. And I think that's why, you know, the ceremonial practice, uh, you know, even if just having that attitude towards everything where, 
this person speaks and then that person speaks and then we do action a and then we do action b and we do it this way and it's formulaic there's a reason for that they work and when you break that cycle to yell at something or someone or you start chit-chatting about you know whatever um you're breaking the cycle so this is why some some circle leaders are strict and they should be yeah this is a sacred act you know, whether you have a pantheon or not, the very act of magic is sacred. The very act of divination is sacred. The very act of meditation is sacred. And so you should approach it with that kind of solemnity. And, and people that don't, people that are just there for the aesthetic, probably shouldn't, shouldn't be, be there. there. And yeah. if they stomp away mad, so be it. Yeah, it's you not, haven't lost much. You're, you're not in the right place yet. Yeah. Yeah. Will you? Yeah, but it's up to you. Yeah. Again, personal path, but along with that personal path, it's not do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. You need to have some discipline in your thoughts and discipline in your actions and discipline um, in everything. Otherwise, it's just going to become a convoluted mess. So don't be afraid to step on the path. You should. There's there's lots of places to learn. Keep a hefty, hefty dose of skepticism. Um but have the respect for the work, the work that others have done or doing and the work that you're doing. It deserves respect. It does. It does indeed. And there's nothing wrong with uh, being invited to a circle, but please, for all that is holy, if you're invited and you're just doing a preview, maintain that solemnity. I promise you 99.9% of us, after the solemn ritual is over, we're going to party like fiends, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk to our scribe and see what they saw in the ritual. Um, we're going to find out what happened, that we were so immersed in the actual summoning that we weren't aware of. Um, yet, all of that's going to happen. So bind your time. Be respectful. Enjoy these events. Most of the time, we have a great freaking time. But some of us have actually been preparing for weeks. We've been fasting. We've been writing. We've been summoning daily on the daily before we come there to do the final summon so a lot of work and love goes into this guys have a little respect and respect yourselves enough you know to be there and be present yep absolutely well i think that's about it for today we're coming up close on the the hour marker and if we've kept your attention this long congratulations Woohoo! you stuck (laughs) it out to the end um, and I'm doing this on my birthday. Yeah, happy and birthday, wanna, Tay. Thank She's you, 25 thank you, thank today. You. <laughs> He's so lovely. I want to thank all of you that wrote me today. It it really it really made me feel good. It, it You guys are amazing. I love you so much, and we wouldn't be here without you. So thank you for listening. And I hope that you will subscribe. So like and subscribe to the show and tell your friends. And we love you bunches. Have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Bye. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of In the Weeds, and we hope you didn't have to pick too much pucker brush off your cloak after visiting with us here. If you liked the episode, please follow, subscribe, and share. And if you're really kind, leave a positive review. Be sure to tune in next week as we publish a new episode weekly. If you're in the area, stop by the store and see us. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.